0: Everybody. Welcome back to the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast, episode four. Your host, Brandon, along with co-host Kyle and producer Chandler. We're here to follow up with the big NFL draft that happened not that long ago. And we just want to take an opportunity to break it down a little bit, give you our opinions, give you where we're passionate, where we're upset about, and just really take an opportunity to just inform those who didn't pay attention, but also be over-informed for those who did pay attention because the last thing you care to hear is our opinions, but we don't care. We're giving them to you anyways. So every year with the draft, what we see is uh, just different impacts that it's going to have on the next season with college football. So before we get into the actual breakdown of the physical draft, we want to talk about the implications that it has on college football, especially this year. And I can, I I, I can just go and throw out there seeing the amount of LSU players taken in this draft Is just going to stand out all season. Why? Because every single eligible offensive player for LSU that went into the draft or graduated and became draft eligible was taken in this draft or signed as an undrafted free agent. So what are we going to see when we see LSU step back up, step back onto the field? We have no idea. That's the joy of the draft is you just never know exactly the team that you're going to get back as a college football fan. Uh, But what what else are we seeing out there? What are some other teams? What are some other um, areas that we're going to see college football
1: impacted by this latest draft? Kyle, what do you think? Well, I think even further with LSU, don't forget, they also lost their co-offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. And they lost defensive coordinator Dave Aranda, who's taking over the head coach job at Baylor. Uh, they also lost Grant Delpit, um, Chason and Patrick Queen on that defense, who are big pieces on the defensive side. So it's not just offensive for them that they're losing. So certainly be That's interesting true. to see what LSU is going to do next year. It's. I wouldn't say rebuilding because college football is kind of a constant revolving door as far as talent goes. Yep. Cause you do only get those four years, but we'll see. Um, I think that the, um, conference that'll change the most or that's going to get the most boost from the draft is going to be the sec. Um, Kirby smart mentioned on fine bombs show that coaches outside of the sec are trying to sell their conferences on the premise that the sec is too tough. Um, He was quoted. He said, so for a coach in another conference to sell, hey, it might be an easier path to come over here and go this way. It speaks volumes. um, Exactly. Meaning that it speaks volumes for how tough the competition is in the SEC and that, hey, you might get a starting job over here before you do in the SEC.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was Um, it was a record SEC number taken in the first round was a 14 players, 15 players out of the SEC taken in the first round this year.
1: 15 in the first 40 in the first three rounds 63 overall unbelievable Um, six six out of the top 10 players no other conference had more than five in the first round they had 15
0: yeah well the craziest part you're going to see with that in that recruiting ploy and that recruiting strategy is hey don't go over there they send too many people to the nfl because they are that loaded so you're going to have a hard time getting playing time but in the back of your mind you think but they're the best conference at sending people to the nfl why would i not want exactly. to be in that, that conference
1: those players because there's a lot of them that may not have had an nfl chance that went there they got the work in they were playing against higher competition and practice and in games every single week uh, yeah and from doing that you know competition breeds success so when you're playing against the best it forces you to either get better or realize this ain't for you
0: yeah and i think that um at the long haul, uh, you know, just a couple other SEC teams that are obviously going to see a big impact. You're going to see a big change w- over there with Alabama. They do every year. They send so many players to the draft every single year. Um, but every year, obviously they rebound and they come back different. The one team I'm going to be interested in are going to be my homeboy team. The, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, seeing them lose, uh, three top ranked offensive linemen, um, is going to be interesting. I know that, um, uh, Sam Pittman, before he left, he basically stocked us up for a good bit of years on the offensive line. But it's going to be, especially with the transfer of Cade Mays, it's going to be a lot different up front uh, for a new quarterback. Um, Not necessarily new running backs, but inexperienced running backs, uh, new tight ends. It's going to be a a lot different offense loaded up with depth on the offensive line, but loaded up with a lot of really young weapons that are going to need to grow up really fast. Uh, just due to the last two drafts in general for the Georgia Bulldogs. And they also had a good bit of defensive players uh, go in this draft as well. So again, SEC is where it's at. Stop listening to uh, Dabo Sweeney, all you Clemson fans, because <laughs> let's be honest, that's who Kirby Smart was talking about. Hey, come play for my team because we play nobody and you get national recognition because we play nobody and while well, the poop out of them. Uh, yeah, that's who I want to go play for. I want to take the easy way out. So all you players that are thinking Clemson, you're taking the easy way out. Go to Georgia.
1: Go, Docs. All right. So, jumping. <laughs> one more team I want to touch on real quick. Sure. Or yeah. One more thing I want to touch on before we move on to the NFL. Another person or another team that may benefit from this draft was Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh, for He's sure. Continuing to churn out QB talent. It's three straight drafts with a QB that was taken in the first two rounds. Um, They had Mayfield and Kyler Murray go back to back, obviously both winning Heisman's as well. And then Jalen Hurts, who is a former Heisman finalist. So that's three QBs um, in the first two rounds, three years in a row. I think it's uh, Spencer Rattler that's up next at Oklahoma. He was obviously a highly touted recruit. Um, It'd be interesting to see. Obviously that's going to draw a lot of QBs into there, but we'll see what else they can surround him with. They had CeeDee Lamb, uh, they had some good defensive players come out of Oklahoma last year. I think that they'll stand to continue recruiting well as well from this draft
2: for sure. Well, yeah, and, and something on that too that I think will be interesting. Um, and you guys probably saw it earlier, uh, but Caleb Williams, the twenty twenty one number one prospect, quarterback position. You know, looking at Oklahoma, looking at LSU, and then for some weird reason, looking at Maryland. But yeah. two out of those teams, you know, you just saw. Them have some incredible years, some incredible talent. So it's going to be interesting to see if you know they're obviously going to be different teams, especially LSU. I mean, I don't think that you can expect LSU to be what they were this last year. Um, you know, Alabama. I think that we've seen them. I think that that we've seen them come back after huge drafts and just be able to bring in more and more talent and be able to cycle that back around. I don't know that LSU is going to be able to do it. I don't know that they have, you know, the experience of that constant rotation of top talent coming in. But certainly with the years that they've had, um, you know, certainly Ed O'Dron is not losing a step, you know, with getting good players uh, to play for, for that university and to play for, you know, what what he's doing down there, so it'll be interesting though. But I think that um, I think that we could see a really exciting, um, you know, kind of I don't know if you want to call it an off season. Uh, it's not really a technical term for NCAA football, but it, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, where Caleb Williams ends up and how that could uh, potentially change up um, the quarterback spot at Oklahoma. I don't really know if LSU. I don't know what options they're sitting on right now. So he could go in there and be the number one guy um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it'll be interesting to see at least.
1: Yeah, quick note on him. He's actually from Washington, D.C., so Maryland's kind of the hometown team. for the hometown crowd. Five included Penn State and Clemson, so those were the two that he cut out. So interesting tie back to uh, Dabo Swinney there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah
1: can't come, come. Yeah,
0: I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> That's done. That's all that he has d- going on. I guess <laughs> he's close. Um, well, speaking. I mean, just real random and jumping. Um, and we'll jump into the rest of the pod here in a second. But um, speaking of top rated quarterbacks, speaking of Oklahoma, Brock Vandergriff, the number one rated pro style. Quarterback, Because I believe Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback, but he's the number one dual threat quarterback as well. And I believe Brock Vandergriff is a 2021 number one pro style quarterback. Uh, not fact checking here. I'm just speaking out loud. But um, he was originally committed to Oklahoma and uh, not that long ago when they found out that they were going after Caleb Williams. Brock Vander decommitted from Oklahoma and committed yeah he did to Athens, Georgia. Go Dawgs. Yeah, Dogs. he did. And so we uh, you know, it, it, the recruiting trail is just different now. Um, you know, Oklahoma has gotten that uh kind of that Georgia mentality of running back university. If you if you're a top running back, you're going to end up typically at Georgia, at Alabama. You know, there's there's four or five schools that are just known for developing NFL running backs. And uh, Oklahoma, as you said, Kyle, has become that QB factory. And uh, but seeing now, because maybe they're getting a little greedy, they're chasing away some potential top tier talent um, by deciding to go after both of the top quarterbacks in uh, the upcoming class. But I mean, who honestly doesn't? I'm sure Georgia went after Caleb Williams in some former fashion as well. I mean, how can you not? But anyways, we digress from where where we want to be heading and where we want to be heading is into the 2020 NFL draft. The most watched ever. NFL draft I might add you uh, and I'm going to be honest it was also probably one of the most uncomfortable drafts I've ever watched um, simply because I'm not 100% positive that the commish was not uh, feeling a little special drinking a little drinky drinky or something <laughs>
2: along those lines because he said he was, he was comfortable he said
0: some of the he, he most was comfortable.
2: awkward and
0: uncomfortable things um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure well, he's he, uh,
1: like top five he, worst people ever as it well
0: is. I'm pretty sure he congratulated The Las Vegas
2: Raiders on hosting the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah. (laughs) And he made it, yeah, it was it was a huge thing. He was super excited to let them know that they had made the generous decision to give Las Vegas the 2020 draft. After they had to shut down Uh, the 2020
0: draft that was supposed
2: to be. Two rounds into the 2020 draft.
0: (laughs) It was so he was just all sorts of crazy. And when he sat down, when he moved to the chair, that's when it got really weird. It was like, what are you doing, man? But anyway, so the 2020 NFL draft. Most watched draft in the history of them uh, broadcasting the draft. I'm going to be honest. There was a lot of ups. There was a lot of downs. um, There was a lot of stubbornness. There's just so many different things that we can talk about. But we've broken down just a few different uh, things that we want to address. We're not going to talk about every single team. We don't. Ha- well, we do have the time for it, but we know that you don't care to listen to that much. So what we want to do is we want to we just want to break down some of our highlights, some of our lowlights and then um get into a little bit of a free for all at the end, arguing about what the future looks like for uh, the upcoming teams and the moves that they made and all that. Um, best player, best upcoming uh, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of that kind of stuff. And so we'll, we'll we'll get to that at the end. But we just want to talk about some winners. Let's start with the highlights. Uh, we're going to jump into the best overall draft from the NFL draft year 2020. Kyle, I know that you are big on what the Cowboys did. So let's dive into that because you're labeling them a winner.
1: Absolutely. Um, a lot of a lot of people were. Or seem to be surprised that they took Ceedee Lamb the first round. Um, I think that that's obviously a, a a good pick. You can't look at a player of that caliber and say, "Wow, what a terrible pick!" Like super talented wide receiver. Um, some people would argue that he's the best. I would say he's one of the best. Um, I think Jerry Judy's a little bit better, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it was surprising they addressed wide receiver in the first round with the depth that they already have in that position with um, Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup. But with losing Randall Cobb, CeeDee Lamb definitely will plug right into that offense. I think he'll see a lot of play time in his first year. Um, it proves to me that the Cowboys are looking at the direction the league is heading. Um, it's obviously getting more and more wide receiver friendly with the pass interference rules. Getting um, a lot more strict on the secondary. Um, they also address their needs at cornerback. Um, they drafted Trayvon Diggs and Reggie Robinson. They're both corners that, are, that have been noted to have great ball skills. They combine for... Um, seven interceptions and twenty-eight pass breakups last season. So, um, they're both ball hawk and cornerbacks. It'll be fun to see them on the outside replacing Byron Jones. Um, and they also they also have three cornerbacks that'll reach the end of their contracts next season. So they're definitely looking towards the future at cornerback and wide receiver making the moves they need to make. Um, they also they had questions about defensive ends. Uh, they lost Robert Quinn last year. He had a or after last year he had eleven and a half sacks last year. So um they ended up drafting Bradley Anai i believe is i'm probably murdering that name but Bradley Anai um out of Utah he may not be able to replace that production that Robert Quinn had but he should, he said he should certainly progress nicely um i think he's a steal they got him at pick 179 a lot of people were projecting he was going to be a mid-third rounder. It's surprising to see he fell that far, so I think that was a great bit by the Cowboys. They really addressed everything they needed to, the secondary, the defensive line. Um, they got one of the best receivers out there at a very deep class, so yeah. great draft overall for them.
0: For sure, and I mean, it's easy to look at, um, and we, again, we'll get a little bit more in this towards the end of the podcast, but I mean, the implications that the draft have on the overall strategy and possible outcome of a season um, and we got into heavy about this when we broke down the um, when we broke down the NFC is what the heck is the NFC is doing? Cowboys, Eagles, two top tier teams living in mediocrity. Uh, one team came out of this draft shining. The other one came out just as dirty and gross as they went in, um, which can completely alter. And we'll talk again. We'll talk more about this. It can completely alter the uh, overall outcome of how just your normal average day fans such as us look at the team and think, wow, this team's going to win the division. And this team's not, and I think that we can agree that our our mindset is definitely going to be shifted when it comes to uh, that division because of how well the Cowboys did in the draft. Um, what uh, one of the teams that uh, I've picked as a winner uh, is going to be the Minnesota Vikings, simply being, uh, you know, they just addressed every need that they had. You know, they looked at their depth chart and found holes that they needed to fill, but they also looked at their front line, their starters, and realized, hey. You know we've got people that we need to replace. We need to replace Xavier Woods. We need to replace uh, Trey Wayne's Mackenzie Alexander, and they went out and they got those players. Uh, But not only did they get the players to replace them, they've got good quality out of them. They I don't feel like that that they once thought or got to a point to where hey we need to um, you know we need to make the reach because we need to fill this hole. I feel like every draft pick that they took filled the hole the way that they wanted it to and filled it with a quality on mark pick. Um, You know Jeff Glandy tough physical cornerback is going to, is going to fill Xavier Rhodes shoes, maybe not immediately, but he's going to be that, he's going to be that competent player at corner um, that they need, that they lost with Xavier. You got Cameron Denzel or Dan's who's just an absolute stud at Mississippi state uh, known for his ball skills, you know, five interceptions, 20 pass breakups in his career Uh, you know, just an outstanding athlete. That's going to be able to also step in um, to that cornerback role and really fill a very necessary need for them uh, on that defensive side of the ball. Everyone talks about their linebackers and when Xavier Rhodes was at the top of their game, you know, that their defense was unstoppable. But with Xavier Rhodes falling off the wagon a little bit, uh, you know, they needed to make the pot the necessary moves with their cornerbacks and they did. So they took three of them. They took two safeties. They knew what they wanted. They knew who they wanted to go after and they filled those holes with quality. Um, you know, Brian Cole, um, adding that depth that I talked about taking just players that, uh, fill fill the need not just on the front line but they found quality in the depth um so good for them wide receivers they needed to replace digs they got justin jefferson who let's be completely honest what were the eagles thinking not taking mr jefferson that was um
1: abs yeah that was a big surprise. That was shocking. That unreal with, uh, um Jalen rigger over jefferson
0: yeah unreal i mean we
1: benefit the vikings
0: we can go all day about the moves the Eagles should have made, um, but let's just mock them for the moves that they didn't make. And one of the moves that they didn't make <laughs> was trading up to get CeeDee Lamb and letting the Cowboys take him. And, you know, props to the Cowboys. I mean, that, that, was, that was Jerry Jones just saying, hey, Cowboys, or hey, Eagles, screw you. I'm going to take CeeDee Lamb even though I don't need him because I know you want him and I'm not going to let you have him. And then two, they had an opportunity, an opportunity for Justin Jefferson sitting on the board and they passed. What in the world? Heck of a wide receiver. He's going to be a star. Um, He's got the swagger. He's got the look. He's got the size. He's got the hands. He's a big guy that's going to just be blasting down the field. Um, It was just something that they had to replace for Diggs, but I think, honestly, this is going to be an upgrade for them within a season or two over Stephon Diggs. Uh, He's a heck of a player. they also got uh, KJ Osborne, um, just a slot uh, slot player that's going to be fast. He's going to be quick. Uh, he's going to he's going to be burning uh, burning up those secondaries all day long. So yes, that's that's where I'm at with the Vikings. I think you know obviously there's other moves that we could talk about, but those are my key players um, that they took. Those are my key uh, uh, reasons as to why that I feel like they were winners. Um, you know, they took I know that they took some linebackers. They also took some. They also took QB Nate Stanley out of Iowa. Uh, but, you know, the reason that they won are because of the people that we just talked about. They took their cornerbacks, they took their safeties, they got their depth, and they got their star wide receiver good for them. And so, Kyle, I know that you have another winner on your board. Uh, you got got the 49ers listed, it looks like.
1: It could be yeah, interesting. I definitely, liked, yeah, I definitely liked the 49ers draft. Um, a lot of people will look at it and be like, wow, they didn't really make a lot of great picks, but they made trades all throughout the draft. Um, John Lynch definitely using his mind throughout it, making some strategic moves. They, I really think that they made moves to stay true to who they are. Um, They addressed some needs along both offensive and defensive line, as well as getting a great wide receiver. Um, And Brandon Ayuk, they traded their 31st pick Um, as well as the 117th and 176th and moved up to the 25th pick, which they only moved up six spots, and it seems like they gave up a lot, but they got Brandon Ayuk. He will have the opportunity to contribute right away. I think he will fill in uh, right where Emmanuel Sanders left a hole in that offense. He also adds value in the return game, um, which is always huge when you can get some added special teams value out of a good young player. Um, They didn't have a ton of glaring needs coming into the draft, but they moved moves to get the pieces they needed. Um, As we talked about on... The NFC pod, um, they traded DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall pick, which they ended up trading that pick again, as well as a seventh rounder for the 14th pick in the fourth round. So they essentially moved down one spot and moved up later in the draft three whole rounds. Um, And by moving down, they still got the guy that they wanted there uh, by Drafting Javon Kenlaw out of South Carolina, who's just an enormous physical defensive lineman, knows how to get to the quarterback. He can help in the run. He is a phenomenal defensive lineman that's going to fit right into that defense um, alongside Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa. Later on in the draft, um, it's not necessarily a pick, but I thought it was one of their most savvy moves, was trading a fifth and a 2021 20, third round pick for arguably one of the best offensive tackles in the league during the draft. Um, they traded for Trent Williams. Um, I saw an interview with Rams head coach, Sean McVay, who happens to be in the same division. When he was asked about that trade, he said, I'm going to need a few more beers to get over that one. He's knowing, you know, with those moves that they're making on that offensive line, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough few more years for the Rams in that division. Um, They also drafted another offensive lineman who will be a good depth tackle behind Mike McClinchy and plugging in Trent Williams. Obviously, that trade came right after we found out that uh, Joe Staley was going to be retiring for the 49ers, so it was a savvy move by John Lynch to go ahead and replace him, get a proven talent, and add him. Then we'd be remiss not to mention that they also added Charlie Warner out of UGA. Go Hello dogs! dogs. That, one's, that one's for Brandon. Um, <laughs> he'll most likely fill in more of a blocking fullback role in that offense, which is huge for them. They were the second-run-heaviest team last year in the NFL, and they led the league in percentage of plays of the fullback on the field, so he'll be a good... uh. Blocking down or er, blocking back for them. Certainly uh paving the way for those great running backs that they have in San Fran.
0: For sure. Charlie Warner deserved that draft. He deserved that. he Dude, dude was a warrior there at UGA. Um, never complained, just worked hard. So good for him. But yeah, 49ers, I mean, not necessarily, as Kyle said, just the most unbelievable fan, like just mind-blowing picks, unbelievable trades. uh they They knew what they wanted. They went in, they got it. And that's why they're a winner. Uh, The next winner I have on my board is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And it's kind of the same deal. You look at their picks and you think, man, you know, what's what was so special? What what made them stand out? And it's honestly uh, I mean, if you just look at the Baltimore Ravens right now, they're just operating on a totally, totally different level than the rest of the NFL. In my opinion, they have a totally different um, just mindset on how they want to stack their roster um, and still manage to. Not blow anything up in terms of giving away a bunch of trade picks or draft picks for this year or next year. They just went into the draft. They didn't want to trade. They let the draft come to them and they took the best available players that on the board that filled their spot. I mean, let's, let's simply just. You know, look at Patrick Queen, for example. How in the world, first of all, does a guy that is as athletic as Patrick Queen fall the way to the pick that they had in the first round? It was was the, I don't have it. for Some reason I don't 28th. have it written down, but it was a twenty eighth pick, right? Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, how do you let how do you let Patrick Queen fall to number twenty eight? What what a value they got out of that pick. Um, you know, linebacker it was definitely a need that they needed to address. Um, not their most important need, but when you have a guy like Patrick Queen fall to you in the twenty eighth pick, you don't pass up on that opportunity. Um, and and you take it and, you know, your team is better off because of it. Uh, I mean, it's just an unbelievable steal. They're, you know, they're going to be coming out of, um, you know, one of their best seasons that they've had in a long time with a better team overall without doing anything crazy. Middle to late round selections such as defensive tackle uh, Justin Metalbuke. Don't quote me. I just think that's how you say it. Um, Receivers Devin Duvernay this has got to be the Duvernay. this has got to be one of the most ridiculously named like group of people in the 2020 draft by the way um because then they have James Proche that they took um <laughs> linebacker Malik Harrison who we all know um you know he's not the the most up-and-comer linebacker but the dude is a freak and we can all admit that um guard Ben Brinder Br- uh, Bridison gosh, what is wrong? They purposely found people with weird names. Um, they all provided a great value. Uh, they filled depth just like the Vikings did. Um, but in my opinion, they did it better than the Vikings because they found literally the best possible value at every single pick. They didn't waste a single pick. The Ravens, um, they were an elite team last year. And they've only gotten substantially better this offseason with some of their other moves and things that they that they jumped on during the offseason. But then this draft just kind of took them to another level. I think that, you know, obviously when they lost in the championship game, uh, thinking that they were going to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, you look at them and you think, man, this could be this could be the time for when this up and coming team, this young team, they put their heads down. Um, and, you know, they show up next year and they try to do the same thing that they did and it's just not going to work out for them. But in all honesty, they went into this off as a, as a team, as a unit, and they just made themselves better and they made themselves more dangerous. And this draft, uh, was, it was another example of that. Again, they didn't, they didn't let the draft drive them. They drove the draft and, uh, that's why they're a winner in my book. So, uh, those are our four picks for winners, um, And obviously, everybody has different opinions. And so if you you have a pick or if you have a team that you feel is a winner that uh, we didn't address, uh, feel free to shoot us a comment on our social medias uh, or social media accounts, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on them all. Um, So make sure you find us.
1: T-C-S-S Podcast.
0: Boom. And, uh, you know, give us your winners. We want to hear what you guys think. We don't. You know, it's not just about us. We want to know what you guys are thinking as well. Um, So give us your winners and give us your whys and we would love to hear them. So now we're going to jump down to the worst overall draft. And uh, a team that we love to pick on. I mean, what in the world are the Houston Texans doing? And uh, I know our boy Chandler is passionate about the, just debauchery that is going on over there and going on over there in Houston. So we're going to let him take this. Why are they your loser, Chandler?
2: Yeah, I don't know if to blame. I don't know how much it spills over uh, from Bill O'Brien. I think 110%. that he... He is just losing his mind. I think that, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, over and over again, and I've harped on it, you know, and this is years in the making because, again, I have a personal vendetta against David Johnson for ruining my fantasy football uh, <laughs> there it is again. entire season uh, back in, what, 2017. And so, starting there, now we're in 2020, and I still can't get over these people. Um, I still can't get over Bill O'Brien and what he's doing, um, you know. It it took him seven picks to get five people. Right out the gate, the Use math the doesn't <laughs> the, the, the the math doesn't add up. Um, it adds up as much as that trade did, and, and so we're actually going to title this portion. What the Charlie heck are the Texans doing? Got a boy in twenty nineteen. They went ahead and they went hard after the offensive tackle position. They got Titus Howard. They got Laramie Tunsil, again, giving up so much in the process to get there. But they weren't happy with that. They wanted to go one more time for a position that, again, has already been filled recently, I might add. And they're going with, again, Charlie Heck, the title of this whole thing. Bill O'Brien's favorite person out of this draft, I've got to imagine. Um, If this dude doesn't start, you know, you just wonder, again, what is he doing? What is he thinking? What the Charlie and Heck is going on. What the Charlie Heck is going on. And I'm going to be saying that all year. I think that Houston fans are going to be saying that all year. I think they were already saying that before they found out who Charlie Heck was because they saw <laughs> the trade with David Johnson. So um, just absolutely insane. Um, Ross Ross Blacklock is probably the only pick out of the draft that Houston even – gave any sort of hope uh, to their fan base uh, for this year. They also took Jonathan Greenard um, and in the process of of all this is as if you know they could be so subpar up to this point. One thing that's kind of crazy you know O'Brien traded away a dominant pass rusher and Jadavian Clowney um, for Barcavius, Mingo and Jacob Martin, and a third round pick in 2020. And fun fact: Mingo only started in one game for the Texans in 2019, and then he was left to go to Chicago in free agency. So you have a player that clearly the Texans don't want. That then is a part of this is is a part of this trade uh, for for Jadavian Clowney to bring him back. Uh, you've got to wonder what's going on there. Uh, Martin appeared in 14 games, but never started in 2018. And they took Jonathan Greenard with the third-round pick, uh, defensive end out of Florida. Nothing good comes out of Florida. Fun fact, all the good players that play for Florida are usually coming from Georgia. So he essentially flipped one of his most dominant pass rushers for two players that he gave up on and a third-round draft pick that is nowhere near the talent of, of Clowney. And so um, that, that kind of caps off um, what the Charlie Heck is going on in Houston.
1: <laughs> nice. I love it. I could have said it better myself.
2: Oh, Charlie
0: Heck. I think. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That was rough. I think the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast first t-shirt is going to say what the Charlie Heck on it. Um, but uh, so let's move on to our next loser. Kyle, I have you listed as the Packers. Why'd you pick the Packers as a loser?
1: Yeah. So the Packers, they just. They raised a lot of eyebrows in this draft. Um, I, we talked about it again in our NFC podcast, episode two. Give it a listen if you haven't. We talked about one of their biggest needs is wide receiver. They obviously have Devontae Adams, who's a fantastic wide receiver, super talented guy. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but he's got one guy that he throws to consistently. They've got a few young options there um, that are growing. We saw Alan Lazard kind of come out last year, but they don't have a second just great wide receiver for him to go to. Um, and I think defenses are starting to figure that out. Um, however, the Packers went the entire draft, did not take a single wide receiver. It wasn't even addressed. Um, they they needed help on defense as well, and they still ended up taking three offensive skill players before they even touched defense all the way down in the fifth round. So um, one of the craziest picks of the whole draft that i think surprised a lot of people was the packers not only taking a quarterback in the first round they traded up and took jordan love who's a very good um very good quarterback prospect he's raw um my brother is a big packers fan so i had to talk to him about this so shout out to will um i'll give you his quote he said pump the brakes on the drama they went 13 and 3 in their first year under matt lafleur last year he's a great offensive mind i trust what they're doing so it's an interesting take, but he knows what he's talking about, I think. Waste. Um, the way he said it, um, he said, Jordan Love uh, has a lot of talent, but again, he's very raw. He didn't play in a super competitive conference in college. Uh, he came out of Utah State, um, and he's he even looked him up back to high school. He was willing to do a lot more research than I was um, and found out he didn't even start in high school until his senior year. So he's raw, doesn't have a lot of experience. And he's also uh, not a wide a receiver.
0: Of- No, he's not. (laughs) And let's, Uh, I mean, let's, 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 let's let's not paint any chickens here. I think that Green Bay, (laughs) I mean, what the Charlie heck were they doing? I I just, it just doesn't make any sense. Jordan Love, listen, and I'm not trying to interrupt you here too much. I'm just going to make this one statement. I think Jordan Love is a good athlete. Um, I think that he was a first round talent, but Green Bay obviously just has a knack for purposely disrupting the flow of a quarterback that is not necessarily past his prime, but that is obviously aging almost like they kind of have the opposite of what the Patriots have. The Patriots are afraid to, you know, disrupt their franchise quarterback. Whereas the Packers think, Hey, let's get him because I know that this guy's eventually going to not be that good, but who knows when that's going to be? I don't know. They needed a wide receiver. That's the end of
1: my rant. Sorry. They certainly did. It's kind of a double-edged sword because it was like, can they grab a receiver that they really weren't interested in or could they trade up and get this guy? Um, There's been a lot of comparisons to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, which I think you were kind of getting at. Um, They drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005, and he sat behind Brett Favre until 2008 when he finally started. Um, Rodgers is currently signed through 2024, so I think it's pretty likely that we'll see a very similar thing going forward. Um, Rodgers and LaFleur... If Rodgers will take him under his wing, will hopefully groom him into the QB that they want um, for their offense. Um, Under LaFleur, they've leaned a little bit more on the run game. They've got a busy running back room. Uh, They've got Aaron Jones, who's a great running back for them. And then Jamal Williams, a very versatile player who can catch the ball as a receiver outside, but also can run it in the backfield. And they added A.J. Dillon in this draft, who I really liked um, as a prospect anywhere, but he ends up going to Green Bay. He's a huge running back, but runs well for his big um, frame. He'll certainly make an impact in the short yardage game for them. But um, interesting note from the Packers GM, my brother sent me this as well. He was quoted as saying, I thought the top was one of the stronger drafts at wide receiver. Uh, that I can remember. But the runs went pretty early, and once we got to a certain spot with the group that we had coming back, it wasn't like we weren't looking to add to that competition. We just felt there wasn't a lot of great candidates that were locks to make our team next year. So I can kind of see where he's coming from. Like I said before, they've got some young people um, like Alan Lazard, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. There's some good players there in Green Bay. I just... They could have had T. Higgins at the 30th overall pick, but they traded up to get Jord Love. I mean, T. Higgins should have been a first rounder. I was surprised he fell to the second round. Granted, he was the first pick in the second round, but still. Um, six receivers were taken in the first round of the draft. T. Higgins very well could have been one.
0: Should uh, have been the seventh at number 30, the Green Bay
1: Packers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would have been a great fit. He's a stud. So, I don't know. Um, certainly going to be interesting to see what they do in the years to come. Yeah, maybe they'll trade for one in the middle of the season and they realize they need one. Who knows? Maybe. I, I mean, it's just,
0: gosh, I don't... I mean, there's only so many excuses you can make for a weird draft, and I feel like Green Bay has just run out of them. Um, that's just me, though. I mean, good luck to Jordan Love. Uh, you know, I hope that um, Aaron Rodgers treats you better than uh, Brett Favre treated him, but let's be honest, he's probably not going to.
1: More better than Aaron Rodgers treats his own family. <laughs>
0: I don't know anything about that, but I feel like that's a pretty rude insult. Oh, he totally uh, doesn't talk to his family at all. That's uh, rough. Okay. Um, ouch. That's a Aaron Rodgers. Thanks for listening. Hope you come back. Um, <laughs> shout out, your shout out, family
1: since you don't talk to <laughs> us either. Uh,
0: so jumping down to my loser. Um, and let's be honest, it's 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 weird to say this, but the New England page, the New England, the New England Patriots are definitely that's a respect on that name. Yeah, I know. The New England Patriots are um, definitely a loser in this draft. And it's not because they, I feel like they did some unbelievable reaching. I think that they did. I mean, um, I think some of their picks were definitely questionable. Definitely very Bill O'Brien or sorry, not Bill (laughs) Mm O'Brien, Bill Belichick-esque in in the terms of, you know, he just did what he does every single draft. He, He dug deep into the roots of college football and just found some. Uh, diamonds in the rough, possibly, and uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna do his Belichick body slams on him. He's gonna turn him into star football players, is what the New England Patriot fans are hoping for. But I mean, interesting picks, though. I mean, Kyle Duggar, good athlete um, linebacker Joshua Urshe or Ushay is you know a good athlete, and um, they're just guys that nobody really had on their radar, especially necessarily uh, at the picks that they were taken at by the Patriots. I believe the Patriots traded. Um, like uh, Kyle you you can speak more to this but th- they traded I feel like they traded at least 100,000 times in this draft
1: I don't remember um, the exact number but they <laughs> traded every, That's single, pretty close. every single one of their picks with the exception of Amphrony Jennings was either one that they made that they acquired from a pick prior to the draft or from a trade that they made during the draft Yeah, they made one pick based off of their original draft order. original draft position
0: but yeah so I mean they just, they just it was just a weird draft for them but at the end of the day the reason they're losers is because you lose the goat the best of all time the number one quarterback the best QB one to ever exist in the game of football to the lowly old Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you come into a draft that is thick and I say thick with potential Yuck. QB stars um, and you don't trade up to get them. Obviously, you were a trade antsy because you traded a ton of picks. You don't trade up to go get one of the bona fide most likely to turn out top tier quarterbacks. But then you also take a pass on a Jordan Love. You take a pass on a Jalen Hurts. You take a pass on Jacob Eason. You take a pass on Jake Fromm, who are all available. Um, obviously, Jordan Love taken by the Packers, um, still in the first round, but he was still available later in the first round. Uh, but then you fall into day two, um, even day three with Jake Fromm, uh, quarterbacks that have obviously the potential to turn into what people think that they can't be because they proved it at the college level coming in. They weren't, they were hyped and they lived up to their hype. They played the game that they've always played. And, uh, you know, they're good quarterbacks. So you had your opportunity to get yourself either a bona fide QB one or a, hey, we're going to give this guy a shot to earn QB1 by midseason uh, because they're good quality players, they're strong candidates, they're good athletes to step onto the field and be good leaders. And you decide to pass on all of them, every single one of them. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what the mentality is behind it. I mean, you're looking at fourth round pick Jared Stenham, Jared Stenham being their, their QB1 this year. Um, Unless they go out and get themselves a Cam Newton. Um, They miss on their chance for the redheaded stepchild, Andy Dalton. Um, You know, I I, I just don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're doing. They had their opportunity to get their QB because let's be honest, they're not. the, The Patriots are incapable of falling into a position where they have a spitball chance at even thinking about drafting Trevor Lawrence. Or uh, Justin Fields next year. So and those are the quarterbacks going into the year that everybody is going to be talking about and everybody's going to want to draft that they need to draft. Let's be honest. The Patriots are going to need to draft them unless Jared Sinem somehow turns into this unbelievable player that nobody believes that he can be. Um, And so I don't get it. They had their chance. They blew it. I don't know what Bill O'Brien... Oh, sorry. Bill Belichick is doing. You see how I keep making that reference? It's because he's becoming the same person. He's making really weird moves <laughs> that nobody understands. Rough. So there you have it, so New I England really Patriots fans. <laughs> Bill Belichick is turning into Bill O'Brien.
1: I wouldn't take it that far. But <laughs> there's definitely some <laughs> questions in this draft. I was very surprised they didn't take a quarterback in this draft. Um, but... All that points to for me is that they do have faith in Jarrett Stidham. Um, they spent a fourth-round pick on him. I've read a few different articles about it, and there were s- several um, draft analysts that said, keep in mind if Jarrett Stidham would have been in this draft, he would have been a top-five QB in this draft. Um,
0: I don't believe that for one second. I'm, I'm not saying that personally.
1: <laughs> um, but if you look at, the, look at the talent that was drafted in this draft, um, among the ones that were drafted, he's up there. I don't know about top five, but he's definitely up there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, I think a lot of what they're doing is based off of their cap room. They've got just south of $2 million in cap right now. Um, next year after they get a lot of big contracts off their books, they're going to be top five in cap space. So I wouldn't be surprised if they make a big free agent move at quarterback next year, or if they make a trade for a, um, high dollar quarterback at the end of the season. We'll see. Should be interesting.
0: Yeah, lots of questions there in the Patriots room. i, I again, I I love to hate on them. Uh, they're still going to be a good team. I think that Jared Sinem, is a is a he's a quality athlete. Um, he's I just don't think that he's the guy. And they had their opportunity to find their guy. I mean, even if I mean Jake Fromm being available when he was being picked by um, the Buffalo Bills that late into the draft, the Patriots pass on him twice. Not to say that Jake Fromm is going to be the next star NFL quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, if I'm the Patriots, I'm taking my chance on a guy, especially if he's fallen that far in the draft, that's got the clout, that's got the mentality, that's got the work ethic, that's got the prowess a, a Jake Fromm has, because I mean, I look at him and I look at Jared Stineman, and I understand that there's a rivalry there. Um, and that I can be a little bit biased, but I can, I genuinely look at them and I see, uh, one player that can be an NFL starting quarterback that wins football games. And I see one player that might win football games. And I think Jake Fromm is going to win NFL football games. Um, so, but we'll see, um, you know, Patriots are losers yeah, in my book. He's going to be the quarterback co-
1: quarterback coach for Josh Allen.
0: Yeah. For now, just waiting to see Got to teach him. To Josh Allen's going to tuck that ball and try and run. And something's going to happen. And then Jake Fromm's going to come in and save the day. Go dogs. Don't wish that on my fantasy starter. Ooh. I'm gonna, I'm, Ooh. I'm, I'm gonna wish that. <laughs> um, so there you have it. Our winners, our losers. Every year there's winners. Every year there's losers. And every year there's a reason to fight over who falls into what category. But those are our picks. Deal with it. Um, jumping down into. But if
1: you disagree or agree, hit us up on our social media. Let us know what you think.
0: But also, and we will shut you down. But also, deal with it. I don't know about that. Um, so. <laughs> Now we're just going to jump into a free-for-all down here. Guys, leading into a lot of this stuff, we have a lot of information. We have a lot of stats and facts that we study and we go through. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're as accurate as possible. But we're going to talk about things such as best steals, best value picks, biggest reaches, uh, best trades, biggest surprise. It doesn't matter. We're just going to be spitballing. We're going to free. We're going to wheel and deal here. And uh, I'm going to get started off. uh, Biggest deal of the draft at pick number eight, which never happens. You never look at pick number eight and like, oh my gosh, that's the biggest steal of the draft. Biggest steal of the draft has got to be the Arizona Cardinals taking Isaiah Simmons at pick number eight. This guy is a top five talent. In all honesty, uh, I think that he is a top three talent. I know that uh, I know that the Lions wanted um, wanted to take uh, quarterback in the position that they were. They got him. They got their star cornerback. But I th- honestly think that Isaiah Simmons was the number three player to go in this draft. Um, So falling all the way to number eight, unbelievable steal, unbelievable value. The dude is a freak. Uh, He can fit into linebacker. He can fit into defensive end. It makes no difference. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to do his job, but he's also going to have unbelievable coverage on tight ends, even possibly some slot receivers that come across the middle. The dude's quick. He's lean on his feet. Unbelievable spot at number eight for the Arizona Cardinals to fall onto their lap. An athlete of this caliber, biggest steal of the draft, in my opinion, has got to be Isaiah Simmons.
1: Yeah, definitely a great pick for them there. I don't know that I would argue that it's the biggest steal of the draft. As you pointed out, it's the eighth overall pick. So, I mean, those first ten picks, it's hard to argue that they're a steal. Um, when I'm thinking about a steal, I like to look a little bit later. I'm looking in the second round. Jacksonville Jaguars taking LaVisca Chenault incredibly talented wide receiver. He's got great size for a star uh, star wide receiver. He's 6'1", 225, but he runs like a running back after he gets the ball. He's not afraid to be physical. He makes those jumping contested catches. Uh, He has experience running the Wildcat. He ran for seven touchdowns in college. The guy can do it all. Uh, Really, the only downside with him is that he has a little bit of injury history. He had shoulder, core muscle, and turf toe surgeries um, while he was in college, but, I mean, the guy's an absolute freak. He's going to Jacksonville where they already have DJ Chart, D.D. Westbrook, and Chris Conley as their starting receivers, but I think he absolutely has the talent to earn a starting job. They got him in the second round. I think he easily could have been one of those top five or six wide receivers that was taken um, had he been at a bigger marquee school instead of Colorado.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to keep it close to home here. You know, I think that the biggest steal – for the 2020 draft was uh, to the Detroit Lions in the second round for DeAndre Swift. Boom soft. Um I have no idea how he fell out of the first round. I think he is better than Clyde Edwards. Um, absolutely. I think that, you know, he's got the chip on his shoulder from being, you know, from the championship team, you know, that that goes in and wins it all and has this crazy year. And I think that that absolutely helps him there. But um You know, I'm not totally upset because I think that DeAndre is going to be able to go to a Detroit Lions team where he can actually make a significant impact and a difference. Um, Not to say that, you know... Clyde is going to be sitting on, you know, the bench, not making an impact. He's obviously with a great team uh, that's going to be able to do a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, that w- that was kind of shocking to me. I was sitting there, kind of waiting for DeAndre Swift's name to be called. Um, obviously, been following his, you know, whole college career and um, did incredible things. Pretty sure his numbers were better um, in college. And um, you know, you just, you gotta, you gotta love the homegrown boys that, you know, are, are just coming in and tearing things up in Athens. It's it's exciting to see every Saturday. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I was pretty shocked by that, but good pickup from the, uh, from the Lions. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: Biggest, biggest reaches, um, you know, there, oh gosh, there's just so many to choose from. Um, I I got, I got to say Damon Arnett to the Raiders in the first round. Um, You know, Okada, I get at number three. Uh, dude's locked down. I understand. Um, but part of the reason that our net looks so good is simply because nobody was throwing towards Okada. And again, but you, you're looking good against lower quality teams for the most part. Um, he, there's just the hype was not there for a first rounder. S- second rounder, I mean I'm still thinking mid second round for for our net. I'm not I'm not I'm I just I think that that's just a huge reach by the Raiders. Uh, Dude, I saw when,
1: some some mocks that had him in the 3rd and 4th.
0: Exactly. I mean there's just, I I don't get it. The quality and the depth at cornerback uh this year especially in the second round I mean was just substantial and was you know, I mean there was so much depth for the cornerbacks um going into the second round. I just don't, I don't understand why in the world they reached in the first round to take Mr. Arnett. And I mean, no, no big shot against him. I think that he'll be good, but I mean, the dude's not, not a first rounder and I don't know what they were thinking, but I also, um, to piggyback off Chandler there, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, I mean, just a good player, but really first round. I mean, there, I think, I think there was four running backs that were ranked ahead of him in this draft. With DeAndre Swift being, I mean, just above and beyond the, you know, the quality of, you know, just the athlete that he is, the ability to, and I, I get Edwards Hillier fits into their scheme really well because, uh, you know, he, he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield in that offense that they ran at LSU. I so I get it, but I mean, it he had, he would have been there mid second round. They could have traded up to get him. I understand they didn't want to give away any picks or anything along those lines to do that, but. I mean, a first-round pick for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a big reach in my book.
1: Um, my biggest reach for this draft, uh, I'm going to keep it in Oakland. They're proving that they see their board and the way they have players ranked, and they take that to heart. They're only looking at that. They don't care what other people have players ranked at. I was very surprised that they took Henry Ruggs as the first wide receiver in this draft. Oh, uh, gosh, When it got totally. to them. They had every single wide receiver on the board. They Everyone. could have taken C.D. Lamb. They could have taken Jerry, Jerry Judy. Judy, and they took Absolutely. Henry Rugs. I think everybody you, was collectively surprised by that. How, I'm not saying Henry Rugs isn't a good player. He's a fantastic athlete, great wide receiver, fastest player in the draft. They had their pick at wide receiver, and they decided to go with speed over size and route running ability Um, or catchability either. S- <laughs> his his hands yeah. aren't nearly the quality of these other guys. No, but that's what they went for. The crazy thing about this for me, though, is their quarterback is David Carr. He's never been a big downfield passer. They have Tyrell Williams there last year. He's a speedster as well. They didn't make a lot of downfield passes. David, or not David Carr, Derek Carr, excuse me. His average depth of target last year was six and a half yards. That ranked 25th in the league. So not making a lot of downfield passes, a lot of checkdowns to Josh Jacobs last year. Um yeah, kind of perplexed by the Henry Ruggs pick. Yeah, for sure. Again, not that he's not a good athlete and that it doesn't fit, they like their speed there. It's just a They didn't need any Like it's a reach. But when, when I feel like it's a reach, a, they needed a big guy.
0: When a guy like Jerry Judy is on the board like, what do you think it? I don't I don't know. What the Charlie heck? I mean, next on our list to talk about is our biggest surprises. Uh I'm just going to hit it off. I'm going to be short and sweet. Biggest surprise in my book is the Atlanta Falcons not trading down um or trading up. They went into the draft with all the hype in the world, possibly trading all the way up to number two to get themselves Chase Young. I didn't believe it was going to happen. I didn't want them to do it. Obviously, I would have been ecstatic if they did, but I also wanted that draft capital because they needed to crush this draft. Um, But biggest surprise is not necessarily. I mean, mean, they took AJ Terrell, not a big fan of that pick at number 16. um, But that's why I'm more so surprised that they didn't trade down because I think AJ sitting there at um, the Eagles pick of number, I believe it was number 25. And rumor has it the Eagles were trying to get up to number 16 to get CD Lamb before the Cowboys could take him. And uh, for whatever reasons, the Falcons didn't believe that they would have AJ available to them at that 25th pick. And uh, so they, so uh, I mean, a little bit of a reach, not a big reach. That's why I didn't talk about it. Um, But the biggest surprises to me is that the Falcons made no trades, which Thomas Dimitrov completely known for making his trades during the draft. So that's my biggest surprise. Atlanta Falcons, no
1: trade. Yeah. I'm going to keep it on the trade train here for big surprises. I was surprised. um, This is the first draft we've had since 2015 without a trade within the top 10. Uh, We mentioned it on our previous episodes that it wouldn't be surprising if we saw the Lions trade back with either the Dolphins or the Chargers, whoever the uh, highest bidder was there. We thought that they would probably still be able to get Jeffrey Okuda at five or six because either the Dolphins or Chargers would be trading up to get the quarterback that they wanted. Uh, I was very surprised that neither of them did that. It worked out for everybody. They still got who they wanted, but it was still an interesting note that it's been since 2015 that we haven't had a trade within the top 10. Cause those are certainly uh, big price tags that come on those top picks for sure.
2: Yeah. My, um, there, there was a lot of surprises. I mean, you know, um, from, you know, Las Vegas getting the 2020 draft, big announcement by Roger Goodell. <laughs> and that was a huge surprise uh, that we heard in the second round. Um, uh, but no, honestly for me, um, there were no, there were no safeties, uh, taken this year in the first round. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I I thought that that was, uh, kind of shocking. I mean, you have, you know, obviously I think the biggest one that comes to mind is, you know, Xavier, Xavier McKinney, um, and, and just kind of was not expecting, um, that the way that the draft was going, I thought that you were seeing, um, a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball. And so I would have thought, um, you know, you had a lot, a lot of cornerbacks taken. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of a surprise call by the Falcons there uh, throw up for uh, Atlanta Falcons on the surprise. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of it for me um, there. I mean, there's, there's a lot, you go down the list, there was, you know, a lot of crazy things happening in the later rounds, um, you know, personally personally, not seeing Rodrigo blanket chip, uh <laughs> taken as the first kicker, That's right. uh, that just Patriots with an another weird. Patriots with another <laughs> an en- billow, an embarrassment. Yeah, with another Bill O'Brien move there. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if you are going to draft a kicker, draft the best one. I don't, I don't know, you know, if if that tank for Trevor mentality is just hot and heavy <laughs> in New England or what. Um, but it's uh, yeah. So that was kind of kind of crazy to me uh, for sure. But yeah, I'd have to go with. No safeties. Yeah,
0: yeah, that it was pretty shocking. I mean, the talent and the depth was there for safeties to get in there. I mean, Xavier McKinney was projected first rounder in every single mock draft for the last year. So that the, that a huge surprise. Um, great value pick there in, in round number two, yeah. for sure. Um, for sure
1: surprised that he didn't end up getting drafted in the first round for the Cowboys. Um, yeah, that, I figured they would have gone there. But, but again, I think a lot of people were expecting receivers to go higher. And CeeDee Lamb wouldn't have been there, but, you know, Jerry Jones saw CeeDee Lamb there, and he was licking his chops. And Jerry
0: Jones was like, I'm going to give mm-hmm. you the middle finger, Philadelphia. That's exactly what he was <laughs> doing.
1: Right. 100%. Um, and so – against your rival. <laughs>
0: draft, you, you draft with hate in your vein. is what you do. Um, So, jumping down, and uh, we're going to speed this up. We're going to double up here. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm going DeAndre Swift with the Lions. But uh, I mean – Unbelievable value, as Chandler said there in the second round for the uh, Detroit Lions. Running back has never been a position that they have put a lot of effort into trying to figure out, I feel like. A lot of that has to do with their offensive line, the way that they want to run their offense. Um, they got a pretty deep offensive uh, running back group. um, Running back room, I should say. Uh, But DeAndre Swift is going to jump right up to RB1. Uh, Dude can play all sorts of um, uh, different... uh, uh, running schemes through the tackles, around the tackles, uh, unbelievable receiver out of the backfield. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going with DeAndre Swift. Defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. My uh, biggest steal pick, simply because the dude is just a freak. It'd be easy to say Chase Young. Uh, you know, it'd be easy to say uh, Okada. Uh, I, I just, I think that Isaiah Simmons. Um, playing for Arizona, I think he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder because he knows he should have been taken earlier than number eight. And again, he was still taken in the top ten. That's a huge achievement. But uh, dude, dude was a top three talent. He knows that. He plays that way, and uh, I think he's going to go in there. He's going to wreak havoc, and he's going to get himself a defensive rookie of the year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on the offensive rookie of the year. Don't get me wrong. I love DeAndre Swift. Yeah, huh? I'm sure he's going to be. I think he's going to be great in Detroit. My only concern there is carry on johnson's there they like him and they're not running the ball enough um a lot of people thought they were going to be a run first offense and they really didn't show that as much last year Um, if i'm looking at a running back for offensive rookie of the year i'm going to look at jonathan taylor in indianapolis that is one of the best offensive lines in the league um they like to run the ball they're going to have philip rivers out there this year um so it'll probably be a little bit different on offense but i think jonathan taylor has a lot better chance to come in and be that bell cow back in that offense granted they have marlon mack but i would argue carry on johnson's a better runner than marlon mack um, and he's shown that he can do that uh, i think carry on johnson will cut into deandre swift's volume too much for him to get the offensive rookie of the year in years to come i very much think deandre swift is that bell cow back he's the three down guy he can run it he, inside outside he can catch the ball out of the backfield fantastic player i just don't think rookie year is going to be the year that we see him break out um I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe Burrow as offensive rookie of the year either I mean look at the weapons that they have there they've got um obviously AJ Green fantastic wide receiver they've got a speedster in John Ross they've got Auden Tate um and they drafted T Higgins like he's got four stud wide receivers starting out um what more could you want and you've got Joe Mixon running you could want an offensive line to keep you standing
2: up is what you could want right
1: (laughs) hey he can't throw he the can ball if he's he on his back two wins. He's definitely more mobile than Andy Dalton. I will give him that. So we'll see how he does there. Um, my dark horse favorite for offensive rookie of the year would be Jerry Judy. Um I think Denver's a good fit for him. Opposite of Cortland Sutton. Um, it'll be tough to pick one of those. That's guys just because you like Drew Locke. It's my boy. Yeah. But he's my dark horse pick. I don't think he has as big of a chance as the other two guys. Defensive rookie of the year. I'm gonna stay easy. I'm gonna say Chase Young. I think it's hard Ooh, to argue boring. I would be surprised if he didn't have double at sacks. Um, I mean, the kid's a freak. He's ready day one. He's got the body. He's got the physicality. He's got the football IQ. He's going to be a difference maker in Washington. It's been a long time since they've had um, a great pass rush. I think he's the one to make that change. I have Isaiah Simmons on my list as well. I'm you not better in your pick, not there. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, if Jeffrey Okuda can have, you know. Six or seven picks, a few forced fumbles, and really shine and force some turnovers. I think he could be in the conversation, but I think Chase Young runs away with it if he stays healthy. Chandler, what you got?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to send bo- uh, both my picks up to Detroit. Um, obviously, got to give it to DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, I think that I I, I think that the Lions don't yet know what they have in a running game until they've seen someone like Swift come in and be able, uh, to really, to really just break open some plays and, and be able to do a lot there. You know, they, they've relied on their star quarterback. They've relied on their throwing game and, um, you know, they've clearly been relying on losing. And so I think all of those things are going to be changing around a little bit for him and, um, they're going to see a big difference there. And I'm also going to go ahead and give it to, um, Jeff Akuta. You know, I, I think that obviously I think that he was probably the best, um, without a doubt that CB that we've seen in a few years. And I think that, um, if he can get that starting job, because I think they've got somebody in that role, I think right now, um, I cannot remember for the life of me of who that is. They signed Desmond um, Truffaut. Big play Slay. Yeah. Play
0: yeah slay so there you and go. Desmond
2: Truffaut. And,
1: yeah.
2: and so, you know, he's going to have to work for that position, but well, I think Slay's that if he can now, break no, in I there... I think
1: he'll be the number one. So that helps him even more. There man. you go.
2: There you go. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think Detroit's going to mm-hmm. just see a lot of good come their way through this draft. Um, I think that they had just uh, some insane pickups. And... um yeah, so that's who I'm going to be going with. Yeah, I mean,
0: so clearly you're saying that the Detroit Lions are potentially the most improved team in terms of, um, you know, just quality that they gained out of the draft. Yeah. And I, I couldn't necessarily disagree with you per se. Um, they had a good draft. Too bad they weren't uh, labeled winners. And been it'd have been good to break down their draft a little bit more. But um, <laughs> been a good tie-in. Yeah, but neither here nor there. Uh, division winners. Um. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to be straightforward. And the only division winner I'm changing out of my picks uh, is going to be uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, again, we I hinted at this at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, some teams go into the drafts um, looking like dirt and come out shining diamonds. And I think that the uh, Dallas Cowboys did that. And the uh, Philadelphia Eagles decided to not even try. Um, and so that that that's where I'm at with with the visions. I think that the Cowboys are the only ones changing hands out of all of my picks that, uh, that I've already placed. Um, and I'll go ahead and give you my Super Bowl predictions. I believe that the Baltimore Ravens are taking on the Super Bowl this year.
1: Whoa. All right, all right. Making it bold. I changed a few. I didn't change all of mine. Um, notably, the AFC South. I know I said previously in the AFC episode that... I wanted to see the Colts have a great draft. I think they have the draft that they needed to win the South. Um, they're my new favorite to win the South NFC South. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to edge it out. Oof! I think I think they Oof. made the moves that they need to make. Granted, between our last stop, podcast, stop fanboying so now. much. Absolutely stop not. Stop fanboying so much, Kyle. They added Rob Gronkowski, the greatest tight end to ever play the game outside of Tony Gonzalez. Maybe the greatest. I don't know. We'll argue that on a different episode. But they added him as well as had a very good draft. Um, I think that they have what it takes to beat them. Obviously, they'll have to win both games head to head, but we'll see what happens there. And then in the NFC North, Vikings and Packers is a toss-up for me now. I know I argued for the Packers before, but after That's that... That's right. Get very, very on very our level. Draft. And as we said, (laughs) if they had a bad draft and didn't address the wide receiver thing, they were in trouble. So I think the Vikings, after having a great draft, they made the moves they need to make to win the NFC North. As far as my Super Bowl favorites, um, I would very much not be surprised if we saw a Chiefs 49ers rematch. Um, I think the 49ers might have made the moves necessary to be a little more competitive, but I think the Chiefs are going to repeat and go back to back. I've got the Ravens Chiefs in the ASC Championship, Vikings and 49ers in the NFC Championship with Chiefs and Niners in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs repeating.
0: I genuinely think that people are going to be surprised when Baltimore and the Chiefs line up in the championship game and Baltimore spanks the Chiefs and goes to the Super Bowl. I'm telling you. I would Baltimore be
1: surprised if they blew them out of the water. Baltimore is win, on a
0: surprised. different level right now, man. Whatever They, 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 just, they came into this offseason knowing what they had to do and they did better. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They, they took it to another level. They, they're like, hey, this is where we need to be to beat the Chiefs. But let's take about 10 steps more than that to make sure that we crush the Chiefs. That's what they did. Do I think that the Chiefs still have, obviously, a good chance of making it back to the Super Bowl and repeating? Yes, but I think Baltimore Baltimore did exactly what they needed to do and
2: then some.
1: This man is confident.
2: <laughs> hey, you know what? And, and I, honestly, like, I don't totally hate it. And the biggest reason why is that I don't think there's many teams that are sitting in the NFL right now that are in the Ravens position that are sitting there and saying, look, we're not battling for our, like, we're not battling for our division. It comes down to the conference. They're not battling for a wild card. They're not, they're not doing any of that. They're, they're sitting there and they're saying, look, we have the easiest road to get to where we need to be to be rested. We've, again, made the trades and the pickups that we need to make in this offseason. And yeah, I mean, I I like the mentality of what you said there, Remy. I think that, you know, they're sitting there saying, how do we beat the Chiefs? They're not trying to figure out how to beat the Steelers. They're not trying to figure out how to go, you know, 500 on the season like a lot of the teams are in the AFC. And that's just, I mean, that mentality is going to play a lot on them now. Is it going to put a chip on their shoulder and, you know, are you know, they're going to totally collapse under that? Probably not. You know, they're not the Browns after all. So <laughs> nice. I think that they're they're not going to you know, be just champions. the offseason champions. I think <laughs> that they're going to go in um, and that they are going to be. Uh, I don't know if I would give them the Super Bowl yet. Um, I, I mean, I've got to stay partial and, and say that, man, the NFC looks really good. The NFC South is going to be. Just chaos. I think. Um I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Um, watch but yeah, I mean, you go got you got the 49ers. What's that to watch the Falcons go seven and nine? Oh, ah no, dude, we're going eight and eight this year. <laughs> Look out! Lead. If you weren't with us on seven Rise and nine, up. don't be with us on eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and Falcons, so yeah, yeah. We're all uh,
1: commercial uh, back for us.
2: <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and so um yeah, you know I. I think that you're going to see just a crazy brawl at the end um, between the Chiefs and the Ravens. I actually like the Chiefs better. I think that there's nothing holding them back. Um, I actually would, you know, I think that I gave them a nod in the offseason of saying, you know what, they didn't have to do a whole lot, but they sort of reconstructed some things. They they sort of looked at what they could improve on, and then they did it. Um, And I really liked what I was seeing there. So probably going to see the Chiefs there at the end. Man, it would be wild to see the 49ers uh come back into that and to just see that whole thing play out again. Yeah. And so, um, although I don't wish any good things on Kyle Shanahan since he left us. So we'll just have to he we'll just have wish to leave good that in the on himself
0: either because he doesn't know how to call plays at the <laughs> end of the football games, but whatever. It's it's true. Um I never actually picked uh, my NFC team to make it to the uh, Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to backtrack here real quick, and I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to give you my pick. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl, um, as much as I hate to say it. But again, oh, you hate to but say again it. Baltimore is going to spank it, and they're going to send them back to Nola crying, just like they always do. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There is our post-draft episode, episode number four of the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast. And just like all the other episodes, we love to close out the show, giving some love to some companies that uh, are special to us um, some companies that are small some of them are big it doesn't make a difference some companies that have touched us and that have uh, left an impression on us and uh, I'm gonna leave it I'm gonna lead us off with this I am gonna go with a company called Wakeko. Um and I know that what you're thinking man isn't that just another coffee company did not you guys just all talk about coffee not that long ago yes we did and you know why? Because we love coffee, and I love Wakeko uh makes a portable espresso machine that uh, um, I love to take hunting. I get you fill it up with espresso before you leave, some hot water, and it's got a pump on it. You pump it, and it pumps out nice, fresh.
2: Is that the one you stole off of my it Amazon list? It sure is. I stole I it from
0: Chandler. Wow, um, not the actual, the worst, not the actual product thing I've ever. I heard. just stole it off of his <laughs> list and put it, it on my. It looks legit espresso <laughs>
1: machine that I take hunting.
0: Yeah, and it is the real <laughs> like deal. Wokeiko. Thank you for your ingenuity. Thank you for your amazing product and thank you for being Wakeco. That sounded like an actual commercial.
2: Anyway, <laughs> I, I did. We're going to send that to the did. company and see if we can get yeah, can we get can we get some some uh, free ones of those. Well, um this quarantine is uh, making me a bit stir crazy and so me and the wife picked up a uh, little side project of making candles. Ooh. So Fun fact: I'm not going to shout out my own company. I'm actually going to shout out uh, Lone Star Candle Company, um, and so they are who we get a lot of our supplies from, and super affordable. Great fun thing that we uh, get to do, and I mean, we've probably made a hundred candles now since since we've been stuck and can't have any friends, What'd and you so you know, it's lit? Ooh. It's so lit and scented, and so it's um, yeah, so. Exactly, they're in Texas, good old great country of Texas, and uh, <laughs> unless you're Bill O'Brien, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the only good thing about Texas, you actually, wanted, up to this point. You just wanted to
1: say what the Charlie Heck again?
2: Oh, Charlie! Heck. I mean, what the Charlie Heck? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be my company.
1: Well, I guess I'll close this out with the plugs of the podcast. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my friend Tommy Troutwine at we bought a zoo records they're based out of athens georgia he started it up um got some ties to our sports his brother's actually playing baseball at northwestern and his dad was a former reliever for the boston red sox so sports ties there but uh tommy's got his record company started out there some of my favorite bands that record with them are his solo project well kept that just has an album that just dropped out called in the meantime it's on spotify it's fantastic um some others, Zach Crook, Elijah Johnston, and Hotel Fiction. So check them out. Um, Great people, great dude, does a lot of good things, makes great music. Beautiful,
0: love it. So Uh, that's that. Yeah, so we just want to close it out with, again, uh, with everything going on with quarantine, shout out to our essential workers, our nurses, our frontline workers that are um, out there sacrificing, all the volunteers that are working at food shelters and everything along those lines. Uh, Bless your hearts, we're praying for you, we love you um, stay safe out there. And, uh, Kyle's going to hit us with the socials one more time. He's going to send us home.
1: Yeah. And hug a nurse's week. It's nurse's week starting on the 6th do Don't hug him though. He doesn't count. (laughs) Don't forget to give us a follow on our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook. You can find us by searching the cheap seat sports podcast, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at TCSS podcast. See you next time.